Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is uh, Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm with uh, Steve uh, Krinberg, who is uh, the head of growth at uh, Helix uh, Sleep. And um, he will tell us more about uh, about many things because he built a uh, marketing uh, team um, inside the company. And uh, we will also discuss about uh, how to leverage the power of different marketing channels, email marketing, traffic acquisition. Um, and we will also talk about lifetime value and customer retention because, um, to be honest, I can see so many brands not focusing on that, but probably that's the key to build a, build a solid business and a solid brand. So, hey, Steve, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Daniel. How's it going you? Yeah, everything is, everything is great. Um, so where to start? So many topics. Um, please, uh, please just briefly tell, tell, uh, tell us more about yourself and how, what was your journey? What's, what's been your journey so far in the world of marketing? And yeah, e-commerce? yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been uh, in the marketing world for almost 10 years now. Um, I started my career on the agency side, working at um, MEC, which I don't even think they're called that anymore, um, but it's under the group umbrella. So a really large agency focusing on some really big clients, doing a lot of really fun and exciting media buys. Um, and then after that, I worked over at Merkle for a while, which was uh, another pretty large performance marketing agency. And then for almost four years now, I've been here at Helix. Um And yeah, I started at Helix, you know, I really wanted to go somewhere that I could make an impact, really, you know, drive growth marketing um, and be a really innovative um, consumer focused uh, brand, which is which is definitely what Helix is. Um, And yeah, just kind of been here since then. And and it's been a really great ride. Yeah, thank you. And uh, how the company looked like when when you joined and how it, it looks like at the moment? What's the difference? between the two, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's there's differences across the board, you know, from the the consumer facing side, when I started at Helix, um, it was a customized mattress brand, which sounds similar, but it was very different in the user experience where you came to the site and it was all about our sleep quiz. So you had to take the sleep quiz. You could not see your mattress until you took it. Um, and our, and once you, you know, filled out your quiz information, our algorithm would match you to your mattress, which then you had the choice of buying or not. Um, there's obviously, you know, great, uh, personalization elements of that. Um, and you know, a lot of, uh, decision-making kind of being removed from the consumer. But what we also found is that people like choice and they like a little bit more transparency. And so a couple of years ago, we lifted the curtain, um, and, Still, everything's rooted in our personalization algorithm and our sleep quiz, but we also have uh, a line of matches you can see and experience and, and um, you know, go through on the site. And so the entire experience online is, is different and a lot more transparent, which we found consumers really like. Um, and also, you know, we're not just the biggest changes. We're not just a mattress brand. We're more of a, 
um, home furnishing solutions brand. So we're really, you know, focusing on making people's lives easier through their buying journeys um, when typical buying journeys are really, um, really difficult, which matched has historically been one. Another that we've recently uh, launched in May is Allform, which is our um, sofa, um, modular sofa site. You know, much mm -hmm. like mattresses, um, sofas themselves have a ton of historical buying challenges. Um, you know, they're very expensive. They take a ton of time to ship. If you ever bought a sofa, I'm sure um, it's taken yeah, yeah. eight to 12 weeks. I have furniture right now. I've been waiting for, since Labor Day, I'm still waiting for furniture from a couple other brands. Um, and so, you know, we we wanted to remove a lot of friction in, in a um, friction-filled environment, which was sofas and mattresses have come a long way yeah. and sofas have not. And so, um, yeah, we, we've, we've launched that and, um, you know, created that personalization engine there where you can customize your, your size, um, your shape, your colors, your fabric. Um, and we've gotten tremendous uh, feedback on the product quality and, and really great response from the market on that. So um, a lot of great development on the consumer side. Internally, we've just gotten a lot smarter, a lot better with focusing on the consumer and what they need, um, building out really great infrastructure, data centralization, all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. Let me ask you a very important question because I know many brands, they, they struggle with it, especially smaller brands who are just starting out. So why do people buy from this store? Because when, uh, when, I, you know, when I think about mattresses, the first thing what comes into my mind is Casper. And I'm sure you, mm -hmm. you, know, you know that many people know them and um, their growth and everything. Uh, I know the agency, who they work with. Um, and I think for them, they have an amazing guarantee, which actually doesn't really make sense for them financially, as far as I know. Um, but this really hooks people and customers. Um, what do you think for, for Helix? What is the one thing, let's say? What, what's the main USP? What really um, convinces people to buy from, from this brand? Yeah, I mean, it's actually very simple for us. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work at a company that has true product differentiation. And for us, it's all about treating you like a person, right? And so, like, you know, I'm not saying that they treat you like you're inhumane. You know, Casper is a great company. They've done a lot for the category. Um, and they've, they've really built up a lot of great areas. Um, but, you know, their message and majority of our competitors' messages, you know, Purple, Nectar, Lisa, something new. Mm -hmm can mean them forever yeah. um it has always been built off the back of one size fits all it's always been on the back of hey we have this mattress and it's perfect for everybody that slogan has been used by yeah. many competitors. but just like a pair of shoes that's not possible like you know one size can't fit everybody's feet and one one size mattress can't fit everybody's body type right because you know you have you know a 350 pound bodybuilder with massive broad shoulders and hips yeah. and they need to yeah. support levels than you know a 90 pound ballerina right and so people's bodies are different their sleeping styles are different their preferences are different and to say that a medium for mattress is perfect for everybody is just not true and that kind of you know we've always felt um really simplifies who consumers are and what they need and where we've come in and nobody's replicated what we do, um, which is great for us, um, is we offer personalized solutions that are made for everybody. And so if you like a soft mattress, then you sleep on your side, um, we have a specific model for that. If you like a very firm mattress and you always sleep on your back and stomach, we have a model for that and it's different. 
Um, and so yeah. the and, and you know we also have um, one mattress that has has actually become one of our, our more popular ones is our plus size mattress. So if you're a plus size and big and tall sleeper, um, you need a specific type of uh, mattress and configuration that that helps you sleep better. Um, and we also came out um, a couple years ago with Birch, which is our organic mattress, which we were getting feedback that you know people like our value prop, but um, you know, they want something with more organic material, sustainability focus. And so we came out with actually a whole brand that focuses on that. So, you know, we really, we really listen to our customers and listen to their needs and try to give them products that are really suitable for them and, and, you know, their, their individual, their individuality. Right. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Um, so when we had our first, first, uh, call our first talk you mentioned that you built uh, built out the marketing team um, in the company if i remember well it's seven people now can you please share us uh, share with us more how how you started building out this team and and where you are now it was the composition of the team yeah yeah so when i started um at helix i was uh, a team of one reporting into one of the co-founders and um the supporting cast was a, a bunch of agencies. So we had an agency that handled okay. um, paid social and search. We had an agency that handled affiliate marketing. We had an agency that handled audio um, partnerships. Um, and you know, it was it worked and it got Helix to where it was today. But um, you know, where where the founders kind of felt we could really level up is bringing that team in house and building out in her in house expertise. And so you obviously, you know, in house team can save you a lot of money, right? Because you're not paying agency commissions. You control how much you pay in terms of the bandwidth that you get. Um, there's more transparency. Um, and in general, uh, you, you know, I, I feel that you can always just get just you can just get really smart people, and you know, you just control your environment. Um, and so. You know, we had kind of, it's scary. It's really scary when you rely on agencies and they built your business and you're saying, I'm going to get rid of everybody and, you know, bring people yeah. in house that I've never met or maybe I have met and like trust them with everything. It's very scary. Um, but you also just have to trust yourself and trust that there are lots of smart people out there that can do really tremendous things. And so, you know, we kind of bit the bullet and started to bring in internal people to replace our agencies we found very quickly how much better everything got. Like, you know, there's more internal transparency um, on everything. You know, you're not relying on the once a week call for information gathering. Um, and, you know, yeah. you're not waiting to to solve problems like, you know, once in a while, like everything is fluid. Everybody's in the Slack groups. You're seeing people when, you know, when we were in the office. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as long as you have a good enough hiring process and you're, you're able to vet your candidates properly, um, you know, I, I would be surprised if, if you wouldn't be able to outperform, you know, agencies. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're fully in-house. We do still leverage agencies whenever we don't yeah. have in-house expertise, right? So if you don't want to commit to a full-time hire because you don't know if like a new channel is going to work for you. And obviously if you commit to a full-time hire, like you're, you're working with that person. Like you can't just like fire a person, like you fire an agency, it's different. Yeah. Um, and so we will, you know, if we go into a different channel or somewhere where we're not as comfortable and we don't know if it's the future of, of what we're doing, we'll work with consultants and agencies until we feel like we're comfortable bringing in-house. Yeah. And uh, I think culturally there is also a big difference because if there are different agencies and yeah, they might talk to each other, but still um, there is, you know, just the feeling of the team is, is different when people are in-house. Um, I, I really agree there. Um, yeah. 
and and how about the so let's go through the whole funnel so i know you have this uh this questionnaire funnel this survey on the website i think that's great um there is a uh, one guy um ryan levesque i think the ask method uh do you know him have you heard about him um, no i don't he He's he's a, he's a big promoter of these survey funnels, questionnaire funnels. Um, I met him at the traffic and conversion in 2019, and um, he's 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 you know he he dives into this really deep um, into questioning strategies and and techniques and all of that. Um, so so there is this survey on the website, and uh, how do you generate traffic to the website? Uh, maybe let's start there. What are your methods? Um, for that. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of play across a fairly diverse space of marketing channels. Um, nothing that you wouldn't be familiar with or the listeners wouldn't be familiar with, right? You have your, your paid socials of the world, you have Google. Um, and so within those, obviously, you know, there's Facebook and Instagram. Um, and obviously we've tested things like YouTube and um, we haven't really done too much with like Twitter, but you know, I know some people do that. Um, you know, and then within Google, you have Google uh, Shopping, you have, uh, you know, regular Google ads, um, and then, you know, there, there's display ads that they, we've everywhere across. And obviously there's different weighting um, depending on the performance that we get. Um, so yeah, that, and then we also um, have affiliate partnerships with content um, sites as well as other mattress sites. Um, so there's like mattress review sites that will rank well for, for SEO that we'll partner with. Um, and then we'll, we'll also work with some influencers and, you know, just kind of like other, and then we'll test a lot of other things like direct mail, TV, et cetera. So we, you know, we yeah. really set out to make sure we have a diverse portfolio because it creates a really nice safety net, um, you know, you know, for yeah, a yeah. company that relies hundred percent on Facebook traffic, um, you know, it's, it's really good until it's not right. So like a lot of people are scrambling, you know, the IS 14 coming out and the businesses that have been built on the back of Facebook don't know what to do because if, you know, something happens whenever they make that change that wipes away a bunch of data or measurements, they can really be caught in a bad place. And so, you know, that can be the same for everything, right? Like Google can make an update, um, YouTube through Google can make an update. Um, and so we, we really have always taken the approach of making sure, you know, all of our eggs are not in the same basket. Exactly, exactly. And di diversification is huge. And I can also see so many businesses relying on mostly facebook ads but it can be seo i uh, could see and or in influencer marketing as well actually just this week i could see two businesses where they were heavily reliant on uh, influencer marketing mm -hmm. and because of their strategy uh, their email marketing couldn't really work because they gave huge discounts with the influencers and then nobody and then people buy with the discount and then they don't want to buy again they just don't care and it's hard to engage them if you open a relationship with a discount. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, diversification is huge and and uh, and also trying to connect these channels. Um, so they arrive to the website, there is this survey or or they can buy the products. Um, and what happens after the purchase? I, uh, I've been following uh, your email marketing for a while. Um, actually, one of our followers, uh, he created a case study about your emails and mm -hmm. he sent it to us. I was yeah, well, very surprised. I see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I will send it over. Um, 
he he created screenshots he he took uh, screenshots and wrote down what's the st- strategy behind it and uh, yeah it was it was great um so so email marketing but what else maybe do you use sms messenger i'm really curious mm-hmm. about tv by the way i think it's very underrated um mm-hmm. so how about those channels yeah so we we kind of see um email and sms kind of fall they they fall a little bit to a different type of category for us we don't really see it as like prospecting new users we see it as more nurturing yeah. so it falls kind of more under crm um but yeah you know we feel it's very important especially with a product like ours it's just very long lead so like nobody wakes up one day and says i'm gonna buy a mattress and then they spend 1500 on a mattress right it's something that you think about you you talk to your significant yeah. other or spouse um you know you you do your research you think about it some more you go to sleep for three weeks and you're like okay fine now i'm gonna buy it and so we have to make sure that we stay relevant and so we have very robust um email uh campaigns that are either drip series where we kind of follow up with people based on where they are in the, in the specific buying stage and we'll personalize that messaging based on that so if you're a cart abandoner you'll get different type of messaging than if you were just kind of like abandoned on um, the home page um you know same with sms like we try to nurture you to come back um sms we've also found is really great for just kind of showcasing discounts um people like just to get a text saying hey here's the sale here's the promo code they don't really want like oh like check out like seven sleep tips because then they're like why are you texting me so we, we we're still learning about like what people really want within within that medium since it is fairly new um but it's very powerful yeah. obviously to get into um you know the the messenger of somebody's phone versus a very cluttered inbox um we've also tried some smaller things like push notifications um you know, like yeah. a year or so ago i even tried to do there was like a, a facebook um notifications tool that i was testing as well those were a little bit less successful a little bit more invasive um mm-hmm. but but yeah obviously lead nurture is a very important component um as part of the marketing stack yeah 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 we also uh, use sms messenger even whatsapp push notifications but yeah. uh, still email is 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 strongest the strongest from these channels uh, mm-hmm. i i i i uh, consider the other channels uh sms messenger as as just you know complementary um channels next to email um i wouldn't sleep on sms sms mm-hmm. i think is uh has has grown rapidly especially if you can get a mm-hmm. really strong um capture rate on your site so really incentivize yeah. people to give you their phone numbers we feel that the we've seen the engagement be stronger than email because it's just a less cluttered environment um yeah you know if i were to predict the future i think it'll be probably the primary form for lead nurture for most most brands mm-hmm. interesting yeah interesting there i think uh now it's mandatory to use double opt-in in the us uh for a few weeks maybe even months and mm-hmm. we could a big drop because of that um yeah we will see yeah but i think the the governments they try to um avoid brands overusing sms it becomes mm-hmm. too annoying marketers ruin uh, everything as the phrase says. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and of course a strong loyalty program um we just rediscovered it with a few uh, brands we work with and uh, and loyalty program is huge especially once the brands uh, the brand becomes bigger um, mm. um yeah and 
please tell us more about TV ads. What, what do you think, at, or even radio, or a- everything what is not uh, not online? So mm-hmm. what do you think at what stage these channels should be used and how should we think about them? Yeah, um, I think the biggest challenge with most offline um, most offline channels is that it really requires substantial investment to get learnings. Um, TV, you can't just run like $5,000 of TV and get a lot of data and yeah. you know, optimize your way. Um, And so, you know, I think you really, at, at that point, if you are graduating into TV and these more mass media traditional channels, you have to be ready to spend money and be at a level of maturity where you can, you know, light money on fire and be okay with it because sometimes that can happen very quick. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, TV is is very exciting for a lot of brands. Like I'm seeing tons of my peers use it. We tested it um, and it, it works great for some, not for others. Um, it's really a case-by-case basis depending on a lot of different factors. Um, but, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of success stories. Like I've talked to a brand um, where, you know, the, the head of growth there says that TV is his most successful channel and he's having trouble with Facebook working. Most times it's the opposite, right? Most time you have Facebook is humming along and TV is like, oh, this new exciting thing that you want to try. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's also like very difficult to like blanket statement saying like TV works, you should do it because like a lot of people will find that it won't. And so it's very much like depends on the brand. And so the thing I kind of always tell people is like, no matter what you're hearing, just test, test everything and get your own learnings. Cause you can't really carry things over from one brand to another. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it really depends on the audience product, the brand and just test it and you will see because there are, so many different brands and audiences um yeah and um please tell us more about how you how you um consider uh, the lifetime value i mean you know you sell mattresses and sofa and all of these and mm-hmm. uh on our side most of our clients they sell consumable products so mm-hmm. pet food or or baby products and people buy it every month or even every week some products mm-hmm. but when you sell sofa or mattresses that you don't buy it every month and uh, i'm really curious how the customer life cycle looks like so somebody buys one mattress maybe they buy another one for their friends or family i don't know mm-hmm. but you definitely don't buy it every month so mm-hmm. how do you keep them engaged and what happens after they purchase and why they come back later Yep. Yeah, it's it's a great question. It's actually probably one of our top priorities this year is to um, better nurture our existing uh, champions and customers and, and convince them to come back. Um, you're 100% right. Like historically, our business has not been focused on LTV and, and um, you know, nurturing yeah. people back for that exact reason because it like you buy your mattress, you're not going to throw it away and buy another one six months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we do see a lot of people come back um, for second and tertiary purchases. And so you're buying it for your guest room, you're buying it for mm-hmm. your parents. Um, a lot of word of mouth obviously helps. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of it is also what we're talking about around diversification outside of the bedroom with like sofas, for example, is, you know, we want to really be the authority in the space for simplified home solutions that make your life easier and come at a reasonable cost. Um, and so, you know, what we've learned in the mattress space is essentially we've built out a formula that can translate over very well into other categories. 
Um, and Sofas is a great example of that. And you know, we we can apply our learnings to better suit um, you know those categories. And so, um, yeah, I mean, like you know, if we can get somebody to sleep on our mattress and they love it, you know, hopefully we can convince that person when they're shopping for a sofa to say, hey, check out all form. You know, it's mm -hmm. everything you love in your mattress, but for a sofa, um, it's shipped to your door. We give you a hundred day trial. Um, you know, we give you a, a really amazing warranty on it. Like we're essentially a, a you know consumer first brand. Um, and, and it's a really great experience and that's what we really, really learned to do. And so hopefully building those experiences and those solutions mm -hmm. for people has them come back to us, you know, through the longevity of their, of their time. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing all of these. Uh, and, uh, are you on Amazon by the way, or, or, or not? we've dabbled, we've dabbled, um, selling ma mm -hmm. mattresses on Amazon is very challenging for many different reasons. Our biggest challenge is that we are not a cheap value-based product, um, and Amazon works best with um, you know how how price competitive you can be. And mm -hmm. so, if you look at the top mattresses on Amazon, they range anywhere from three hundred to four hundred fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. Our mattresses yeah. don't uh, even our twins don't even start that low. Um, yeah. And you know the reason for that is most of those top brands are manufacturing and sourcing from overseas. Um, and, and they're using, uh, much lower quality foam densities, um, less quality materials, um, just overall. Um, and that's just not our brand. That's not who we are. We, we're not a low quality product. Um, we make everything here in the USA. Um, we take a lot of pride in the quality of our products because that's just who we are as a brand. Yeah. I'm not saying that there isn't room for, for those types of products. They're very important. Not everyone can afford a thousand dollar queen mattress. And so those, those products should exist and they're very valuable, um, but it's not our core competency. We don't really know that yeah, space yeah. as well. It's not really where we've, where we've played. We've tested trying to sell some of our smaller products like pillows um, on Amazon. We ran into the same issue where we just weren't price competitive enough. Like we're trying to sell, um, you know, pillow for $79 in a space where pillows you can get two for 25. And so, you know, everything we've kind of learned about Amazon, we've talked to a lot of different consultants, professionals and Amazon themselves. And they've all pretty much said like, you just have to have a competitive price. Like you just will yeah. never be on the first page if you're two or three times more expensive. Um, the other part that about Amazon is that they take a lot of your money. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they, yeah. The commissions are like uh, us. <laughs> I think we were finding it was like 40% or something ridiculous. And so when you're factoring in how much commission they take and how low your, your, Price, your price point needs to be it's like what are you even selling at that point like i don't even like i don't even know like what type of product we can make for that cheap or we would even squeeze out any type of profit um so i think it's also just uh, it's also just a part of the category we're in there's probably other categories that are built better for it um but we haven't really found um our success there yet is it a percentage of revenue or profit 40 percent I think it's a percentage of your revenue. So they think they take about 40% of your revenue. That's huge, um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. The other thing that we found weird is that we never got straight answers of how much we would be paying until we actually sold the products. Like they mm -hmm. don't have any, um, they have calculators, but they're, they're not correct. And we tried <laughs> to talk to like multiple people at Amazon and multiple consultants. And apparently there's just this common knowledge that like, you just don't really know what you're getting with them, which is absurd to me <laughs> because yeah. the whole business was built off of third-party sellers. Mm. Um, the other scary thing about Amazon, which I'm sure anybody who's familiar with the space knows, is that 
they're they're really transitioning into just seeing what categories are big and building out their own products. Exactly. And so they're they're pushing out the third party sellers. And I think they even have their own their mattress product now. So it's like, do we really want to invest the time in a platform that's just going to push us out anyways? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think Walmart is similar. And, you know, all of these big retailer chains, Target, they also charge huge commission. Yeah, I mean, we don't work with any of those guys. <laughs> the thing the thing that like you know that um anybody that's kind of gone into the retail space or, or the third-party seller or wholesale space will know is that all these guys charge you a ton of money they charge you 40 50 percent yeah and if if unless you're making a product where your margins are 80 percent you just can't make it work but like yeah. then if you're making a product that has such high margins and like what do you pass into the consumer? You're passing them middleman, 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 charge after yeah. charge after charge. And then it's like, well, what do you stand for as a brand? Again, like there's tons of brands that are doing it and it's fine and it's necessary, but like, it's not what our business was built off of. Our business was built off of um, minimizing how many third party middlemen there are and taking a chunk of the cost and then passing it off to consumers. We've always tried to minimize how much, uh, how much essentially, is going into that process of the end consumer, which is, you know, how that's the whole concept of direct to consumer. It's direct to the consumer. Exactly. And when it's not that, when it's direct to Amazon, then consumer, then that means that there's somebody else that has their hand in the cookie jar. Um, yeah. Direct to consumer, I don't really think even exists anymore because most direct consumer brands aren't selling in other places. We do too. We sell with CP2. Um, and so obviously CP2 is taking a small percentage, but we didn't raise our prices to do that. Um, and so, you know, we still kind of inherently want to create really strong value for our end consumer. Um, and we try to minimize, you know, any type of processes that really, um, you know, could degrade the quality of the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on Amazon or Walmart, you cannot really differentiate yourself. Uh, you don't have your own website. Yeah, there are product descriptions and reviews, but still same, uh, you know, same user interface and everything yeah so. i mean that's a that's also the that's actually probably the biggest reason you're, you're exactly right is that our product is all around personalization and exactly. i can't provide that experience when it's not on my website um, yeah that's always been our biggest barrier for sure and this is i think this is why you cannot find swarovski in walmart or or i could say any luxury brand or you know not cheap or mm -hmm. average price products because you have to differentiate yourself to us that amount. And on Amazon, you cannot. Um, that's yeah. simple reason. Um, yeah. I have one more question. And, um, you know, if, if you don't want to give us a detailed answer, it's totally fine. Uh, but what are your main challenges and, and what will be your direction this year uh, for the brand? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of challenges and exciting opportunities. Um, actually what we talked about around LTV and, um, you know, just getting better at that, not necessarily like how can we just get more money from existing customers? It's actually not what we're focusing on. What we're actually really focusing on is data centralization and democracy. Um, so we internally just ha don't have, um, a really great data center. So a really great place to port all of our data, warehouse it, 
um, put it into you know a, a business intelligent tool, and then ultimately mm-hmm. get really great insights from it. That's actually one of our biggest priorities as a business, and and also to create democratization of that data. So having anybody at the company go in and being able to uh, build out queries um, in a very user friendly way, that's actually one of the biggest components. And the reason why that's so important is is that it's really going to help us unlock a lot of insights and just building a better business and building better products. Um, yeah. So that's ultimately what we're always coming down to is just improving the products that we build for the customers that we have and will have. Um, and a lot of that is going to be geared around making sure that we're um, ingesting and, and sourcing the right data and, and have the right outputs. Yeah. How about Google Analytics? Is it too simple? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Google Analytics, is, I like Google Analytics. It's great, but um, it's... Uh, we're, we're just at a point in our business where we've outgrown um, one-stop analytics areas. Mm-hmm. Like Google Analytics mm-hmm. is just site-based data, but we also have all of our um, on-site event streams that Google Analytics doesn't plug into. We have all of our mm-hmm. customer information. We have our um, third-party logistics information, our finance information. And so all of that is very fragmented today. So Google mm-hmm. Analytics is just kind of one stack and there's probably a dozen other pieces And so what we really want to do is centralize all of that data. And then if I want to build a report that says, hey, give me, you know, the revenue that Google Analytics is saying for this channel, and then also um, give me, you know, the time spent that I'm seeing in Heap or Analytics report or something like that, I can like start marrying those two pieces together. Um, I think most companies just hit a certain state of maturity that they need Uh, a really robust like center central data yeah, yeah. data point um and we're this is like our time i guess yeah yeah okay that's great yeah um yeah steve uh, thanks for uh, joining us today you shared a lot of valuable uh knowledge and everything uh and we discussed many different channels and how your brand is is different than others um in the podcast description everyone will find uh, the link of steve's uh social media profiles and and the company itself and uh, thanks for every listeners uh, for joining us today every thursday we are coming out with a new episode with the uh, e-commerce marketers and e-commerce brand owners um thanks everyone again thank you steve thanks daniel hope you enjoyed this episode of the ecom show podcast if you want to learn more about e-commerce retention marketing check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.